Cinema Jaws sponsored by Cards Against Humanity. They asked us not to read an ad. Enjoy the show. You're listening to Cinema Jaw, the greatest movies podcast ever, recorded on location at Cards Against Humanity in Chicago. My name is Matt Kay. With me is Rye the Movie Guy. And sitting behind the glass inside the fish tank over there is Phil Me and Phil. How's it going, guys? This week on Cinema Jaw, Matt, it's a shocker. It is. It's an unlikely hero. Ooh. Shocking, I yeah. guess. Top five. Why is that a shocker? Because, I mean, usually an unlikely hero is somewhat shocking to the audience. Okay. All right. I see what you were going for. You see? Yeah. Unlikely heroes, it does pop up quite a bit in movies. We're a pair of unlikely heroes, Ryan. Well, I am. I am too. What? What is, am I the villain? You're the villain. I don't know about that. I think I'm the hero. We're covering our top five favorite unlikely heroes because we are reviewing a certain film that I believe has an unlikely hero. Yeah. Should we just say what we're going to... Re- Let's hold it. Let's hold it. Okay. Yeah. We also have a couple of great guests joining us. Long overdue to finally get them in the studio. Yes. Excited to be talking to Alan Linda Lerner, a team of film critics here in Chicago. We'll get to talk all about them and all their many accomplishments. They have a glorious website entitled Movies and Shakers. So we'll be talking to Alan Linda. And uh, it, this is just an absolutely jam-packed job. It really we, is. We Let's really get to say it. that all the time, but we're just recapping how much we have to do and there's a lot to get to. Yeah, it's the first of the month. So what else are we doing, Rye? Yeah, what else are we doing, Phil? Yeah, we're also going to be going eye for an eye this week on the new Hellboy movie coming out. And we're reviewing Shazam. There it is. Yep. Uh, in honor, get a load of this, in honor of Hellboy, Matt, you're taking Al and Linda on in red character movie trivia. <laughs> okay, all right. Wow, you're really scraping the bottom of the trivia barrel. Think of characters who are red Jawheads. Okay. All right. Um, plus, did you see? I don't know if you caught this, Matt. What? That there is uh, a new Pet Cemetery movie you don't coming out. No. The, the press screening, full disclosure, is taking place right now, mm-hmm. and none of us are there. We're actually recording Cinema Jaw. That's okay. But, but we'll see it. But I was in no rush because I said, who cares about Pet Cemetery? You know what well, I mean? I was I in mean, no rush because there's already a classic Pet Cemetery movie. Classic? Classic. You're saying, no. Which one? I'm using the word. There's only one. 1989. So you, yeah, that 1989. Mm-hmm. Pet Cemetery. Classic. It is. You've got to be joking. It's not even a good movie. It's a classic. No, it horror, is not. Horror classic. No way. Cinema, Cinema War. War. Oh, you're going down, Matt Kay. I don't know about that. Al and Linda are going to have their hands full there. Plus, Jawheads, uh, we a lot of times have gone to spoilers after the show, but we're sort of making it its own segment now. Yeah, after the credits. Right, so after the credits of the show, the music's going to play, and then we are going to have a segment entitled The Cinema Jaw Spoiler Lounge, where we'll freely discuss a movie. Sometimes it'll be the movie of the week um, Mm -hmm. when we think it's big enough and most people have seen it. Other times, we'll wait a couple weeks like we are this time. We will be spoiling, or at least spoilers will be present in our discussion of us. Yeah, and this works particularly well with films like us that have multiple layers. There's twists and turns, secrets revealed, things like that. And we can finally just talk about it on the podcast. Uh, I'm, we may not do this every single episode, but here we are. I agree. This is going to be fun. Plus, I know Al and Linda have also seen us, so they'll yeah. join us for that. Can't wait. As you mentioned, Matt, it is a new month. That means a new theme yep. here on Cinema Jaw. And, hey, we're going 
Cinema War on Pet Cemetery. You think it's a classic. Mm. It is a Stephen King adaptation. So, ladies and gentlemen, jawheads around the world, April is Stephen King month here on Cinema Jaw. Oh, this, uh, that is music to my ears, pal. I mean, a few of my favorite movies of all time are Stephen King adaptations. So this is great. We'll be celebrating them all month here on Cinema Jaw. And to get us started with that, Phil, you got a fact? I sure do. Today, in honor of Stephen King Month on Cinema Jaw, we have this fact. Before he was the world-famous author, Stephen King was a struggling and broke writer merely trying to get published in short story magazines. When he worked on the manuscript for Carrie, he threw it away in the trash. Fortunately for all of us, his wife Tabitha pulled it out, read it, and encouraged him to finish it. It eventually became his first published novel, first adapted film, and a massive success. And that's your Cinema Jaw Stephen King fact. It's awesome. It is. Don't throw out your scripts is, I guess, the moral of that story. Agree. That's a film I want to go back and uh, rewatch. Uh, the original or mm-hmm. the remake? The original. Yeah. The classic. That's a classic. It definitely is. No arguments. Also, the beginning of the month, Matt, means it's time to get a new riddle. Yeah. And before we get that new riddle, we do have to clean up the March riddle, which was... It was a doozy, right? It was a doozy. All we right. heard from numerous jawheads, and not with the correct answer. Most of them just writing in to complain that the riddle was too damn hard. And well, like I said, Matt wrote this one. I, so. You know, it's funny that, that you throw that on me. I did write this one, but but Ryan said, hey, why don't we do a director this, this week or this month? A director, he says. Remind the jawheads what the March riddle was, Matt. It was this. You might call me crazy, but I did not direct The Hunt for Red October. I just wasn't the right man for the job. In the 80s, I wasn't afraid. In the 90s, I went for several days and nights. And then in the aughts, I evolved. Don't tell me it just doesn't matter because I know your daddy and what he does. Who am I? I think I made it easier with those little inflections in my voice. Right. Maybe you should have did that the first time around. Maybe. They had no idea it was going to be this hard. So many wrong answers came in. Um, So many few right answers actually came in that it was it was ridiculous. We had to redo the riddle I and give in additional clue. clues. Uh, we finally did hear from Chris from Canada who wrote in, holy crap, guys. I thought I was completely stumped for the first time since I started listening to Cinema Jaw. I'm not complaining. I do love a good challenge. I think what threw me off was the fact that I kept trying to connect an actor to the riddle, but you changed it up and chose a producer slash director. That was Rye's idea. The answer is Mr. Ivan Reitman. In the 1980s, he wasn't afraid of no ghost, Ghostbusters. In the 90s, he worked on Six Days and Seven Nights. And in the aughts, he did Evolution. I'm pretty sure I know your daddy and what he does is a line from Kindergarten Cop. That's correct. Good job on the riddle. Keep them coming. Your favorite Canadian, Chris Lee. Um, Chris was one of only a few to get it right. And a lot of times we go into the cinema jaw hat and pick out a winner, but I thought it only appropriate to actually go with the guy who answered it correctly first days ahead of everybody else without the extra clues. And that was actually Sean Verna from Nashville, Tennessee. Oh, congrats, Sean. Yeah. Sean, if, uh, you write us feedback at cinemajaw.com, you can get a prize pack or you can hear yourself on cinema jaw we'll give you your choice and send us some of that tennessee bourbon whiskey while you're at it that was a tough riddle it so was that, really hard it was so it was my turn to take april's on and I, I i made it challenging but not quite as challenging i hope we get more right responses 
Okay, here is your April riddle. My sister, yeah, where is she now? Most of you first got to know me as a kid when I made a movie with my friends. Luckily, it wasn't a train wreck. If you see me at a party, come and talk to me. I will tell you what it was like to work with Coppola two different times. Later, I became a model and then a young horror writer. Nothing bad can happen because watching over me is none other than Angelina Jolie. Who am I? If you know the answer to the April riddle, write us feedback at cinemajot.com. Your name will be thrown into a hat, and one lucky winner will win a prize pack or hear themselves on Cinema Jaw. Whatever you like. Whew, that was a lot to get through. It was. So let's let's get on with the rest. Yeah, of it. I mean, I think our guests are are, are sleeping right now. I know. It, they're, they're there was so much to get to. They were napping. Um, but without further ado, Matt, you mentioned our guests. They are part of the CIFCC, which me and Matt are proud members of. Al and Linda Lerner from Movies and Shakers. Welcome to Cinema Jaw. Thank you for having us. Thank you, boys. And and you guys are sort of part of our social circle. We're we're good friends, so I'm very happy to finally have you on the show. Delighted, delighted to be here. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for the green room uh, treatment. Uh, the tenderloin <laughs> was spectacular. And that Next, goodie basket. Did you try I the don't fried know shrimp? Where you got all those things? The shrimp was good. One suggests I'd like the tenderloin a little rarer next time, but other than okay. that, just great. Thank I'll, you. I'll yell at the chef. Okay. Now, inside our critic group, you are the only married couple that I'm aware of. Do I have that, this right? I think so. Really yes. So. We're not the only married people in the group, but right. The but only married couple who are both critics, critics inside. This is true. The uh, Chicago Critics. Now, the the reason I ask that is, how easy is it to go see a movie at a screening, and and not get in a big argument on the way home if you guys view the movie differently? Does it happen quite often? Well, watching you boys bicker is is minor <laughs> league. <laughs> no, but is is there some bickering between oh, the two of you? Oh There's hell yes! But we also compliment each other. How so? Because I'm more of a writer and the concepts and that kind of thing, and Al has a terrific vocabulary and a way with words, and picks up on detail that I don't get. So we really complement each other. That's good. You make a good team. Yeah, we do. So it's, it's we do great. Bigger. It's great. I, I kind of throw it against the wall, and Linda can craft it and edit edit it and, and put it into a, uh, a shape that, that really is eye-pleasing. So well, thank that's, you. That's what we hope. I think we'll stay married. Okay. <laughs> it's a good team. Now, you guys were involved in media before getting into film criticism, correct? This, this is true. Uh, both of us started out in uh, radio and television and... News and elections and master control and engineering, and it goes on. And, and on. always in Chicago, or did you guys... Oh, uh, no, well, uh, mostly in Chicago. I started out uh, in uh, pro wrestling at, at the old Channel 44. Wait a second. I, I did not know this. You were in, you were in pro wrestling? Check, yeah. check that out on YouTube, baby. <laughs> oh, yeah. mm-hmm. yes. what, what were we calling matches? Were you uh, yes. commentating? I was, I was the, studio, the studio interviewer. I was uh, the Mean Gene of Chicago. Uh, that is awesome. And, and I got to meet Mean Gene when he was just starting out as well. But I worked with uh, some of the wrestlers I worked with was the Andre the Giant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who tried to pick me up once. <laughs> literally pick you up. Literally. No, pick me up t- both ways. Both? Yeah. Literally and figuratively. <laughs> he, he, uh, he asked her for a date uh, as his head was on the apron of the ring with some guy jumping on his back, uh, supposedly killing him. And he's going, you, you, you come with me after match. You come with me. And the and ref, Henry Van Loon, said, 
that's Al's girl. Leave her alone. He said, he's Henry. Wow. The reference says, come on, Andre, he's, he, you know, she's with, she's with us, she's with Alan, he's with us, come on, leave her alone. No. So that was, uh, but who, and he was a sweet guy. Yeah, he uh, was very sweet guy. Uh, uh, Vern Gagne, Dick the Bruiser, the Crusher, uh, Yukon Moose Cholak. And he emceed ah. in lingerie match once. Whoa. And hey. I was there to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Baron, Baron von Raschke, the Beast of Berlin, who was actually a lit major uh, from Nebraska. We had great discussions about Shakespeare. What, why don't literature. we have nicknames like that nowadays, oh, right? No. <laughs> and while he was doing the wrestling at the same station, I was doing the underground news. Okay. So, like, uh, Black activism Panther stuff? And um, uh, you know, all kinds of concerts that went awry, and you know, did I get arrested, and that I, you know, all kinds of stuff, which so, I didn't. So how did you guys trans, uh, uh, transfer transition. to film? Yeah, transition. Thanks, Ryan. How did you guys yeah. transition into film? So from the days of, uh, we were in Dallas for, uh, for many years. I was hosting a syndicated radio show out of Dallas and getting up at 2 o'clock in the morning, and Yuck. Know, it was like, ugh. Um, but... Uh, while we were in, in Dallas, we were trans- I was transitioning out of that, out of getting out at 2 o'clock in the morning, and our son, who works for Apple in Cupertino, said, hey, I'm going to get you a, a computer. Uh, and he got us uh, a desktop computer. He says, no. A refurbished. And he Man. said, yeah, why don't you, you guys, you like guys like movie, why don't you um, make a website and, and start doing movies? Well, was, I, was doing, I was doing junkets for Radio Disney Network. Okay. I had worked for them, and all the creative came out of Dallas, but they used to send me to L.A. to do all the junkets and do all the, uh, the interviews because I had worked at CBS News, NBC News in L.A., and that's what I did. So I you had this tremendous interviews. access already. So yes. it was just kind of a matter of making the website and getting started. Well, Correct. we just we started doing red carpets, and there was actually one time when I didn't tell him I was going to be at the red carpet because I didn't think I could make it because I was coming from work. And I brought my own sign, and I put it down, and the guy who was, John Wildman, who was organizing the red carpet said, I have never had anybody do that ever. <laughs> but I got the interviews. That's awesome. So this gives, gives us a, an opportunity to uh, continue on with uh, interviewing, uh, getting behind a microphone, and now uh, still continuing to cut tape when we, uh, when we do interviews to cut and edit video as well as write. And, and as you know, Matt, uh, you know, still, still challenged technologically sometimes with and the ins and, out, ins and outs right. of the Internet, but uh, we do that. So uh, our background, I mean, we've gone from everywhere from uh, I was a sportscaster, a, a talk show host, got to interview a lot of people. Linda's gotten to interview a lot of people. So we can use those skills and bring that perspective to, to movies and entertainment and uh, uh, maybe bring a little, uh, a little different uh, twist to some, of, to some of what we see in the movies, not necessarily... Uh, millennial, Gen X, um, you know, the... the uh, we have a wide audience because we, we like do. young stuff. I mean, I worked at the Radio Disney Network, so I was into all the music and all the groups and all the... Kid stuff. And I still am. Yeah. And I'm a dancer. I love Zumba, and I did tap, and I did all, all that. And so I just, I just like the entertainment field. I wrote a musical for Second City, a I, I children's musical. I mean, we've done a lot of different things. All right, I got a question for you guys. With all that experience uh, and all the interviews over the years, uh, I'm assuming you've met many, many celebrities on red carpets and such. Is there one in particular that you got absolutely starstruck and nervous to meet? Like, you know, I don't know, maybe it was Francis Ford Coppola or Steven Spielberg or somebody like that that really made you 
quiver. You, you, you first. Do you have one? Well, I have one that I didn't think was going to be good, and it turned out to be good, but I'm not sure I should even talk about it Oh, today. that's that's the one you should absolutely talk about. <laughs> okay. Um, I was supposed to interview Roseanne Barr. Ooh, when? How long ago? Oh, it was a long time ago okay. for Radio Disney. It was a junket in L.A., and I rode up in the elevator with her, and, she, and uh, somebody said, good morning, and she said, oh, yeah, what's good about it? And I said, you're here. It just came out of my mouth, and I was going to interview her later in the day. And everybody froze, everybody tensed. And I thought, oh, this is gonna be good. I went up to interview her. She was an, uh, a voice on an animated movie for Disney. Yeah, I think I remember <clears throat> that, yeah. Right, Home on the Range. And I walked in and they said, oh, this is Linda Lerner from Radio Disney. And she said, you were in the elevator this morning. And I said, yes, I was. <laughs> and as But that we was a nice thing that you said. Well, and as I got to talk to her, she warmed up, and I told her that I was. I asked her why she got into show business. She said, "I used to watch Shirley Temple and tap dance," and I said, "Well, oh, I'm a tap a dancer." Yeah. And I asked her to sign a shirt for a scholarship out of you know, National, you know, Tap Dance Day, and she gave me a great interview. I asked her, "I understand you collect pigs." She says, "No, no, I collect husbands now." <laughs> and I said, "What was the best advice you ever got?" She said, sit down and shut up. And wow. it was a great interview. Awesome. She, is that she available very still talkative. online? Yeah, it is. Huh. I have to look that one up. How about you, Al? Um, I was saying a couple of them. When I was doing the syndicated radio show, one that I was really excited about uh, at the time was John Krakauer, the, the novelist and the adventure writer. Uh, we talked to him over a satellite phone at his base camp on Mount Everest. Oh my God! Wow. So I was that <clears throat> just the the vision of thinking of a guy looking up at Mount Everest on yeah. base camp. He was about he was he was still about 12, 12 13, 14,000 feet up. Yeah. So where are you still calling him from? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, talking to him, and that was that was a real treat. The a uh, couple others, I got to play softball with Michael Jordan. Uh, once and you know sat on the bench with Michael Jordan got to to uh, you know shoot the breeze with with him and that was that was that was pretty cool that's pretty tremendous uh, that was that was cool uh, interviewing Jimmy Carter uh, once uh, actually a couple of times and disagreeing with him uh, <laughs> and disagreeing with him on on the phone was was uh, that was scary because he was really icy cold when when you disagree with him, he got this icy coldness in his voice that was just really scary to me. Uh, hmm. That's what being around power is. But the one that I was really nervous about uh, was we were at the uh, Austin Film Festival a few years ago and got a chance to interview Jon Stewart. Oh, yeah, that was fun. On, on the red carpet, just for, for a couple of minutes. And for, and but that was at the time, yes. that was the time when, when he was at the height, mm -hmm. you know, when The Daily Show and him at the, was just going through the superb. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and as he came up, I said, I pointed to Al and I said, he wants to be your senior, senior correspondent. <laughs> and he said, done. <laughs> but we had a really great interview with him and, um, and we asked him, he did Rosewater at that time. Mm. And he directed, we asked him, when said, he directed what, what, that. I enjoyed that movie. Yeah. 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 What scene touched you? And, she, and he just kind of stopped. Like nobody had asked him that question before. And he said, wow. He said, it was the scene where he was talking to his wife 
that was the scene that got me, and he and he went on. And it, we have it online. Awesome. And speaking of online, the website, as I mentioned, is called Movies and Shakers, and you got r reviews on there. I was on there earlier today, so you got written reviews. But as you sort of scroll down, you have this whole archive of video interviews that you guys are going to all these festivals that we're talking yeah, about great design isn't it it's a wonderful website <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's it's a the great designer looking is website. very special absolutely and, and special to us and you got all these interviews on there as well so do you guys up that update that thing basically almost daily because it's it's pretty sure pretty fresh. Well, every uh every, every review every review goes up immediately we just uh, wrote um Shazam! Yeah, today. which we'll be talking about. Yeah, but we've also done a lot of interviews at festivals. We like to cover festivals and red carpets and one-on-ones. We just work really well together. Um, what what questions I don't come up with, he comes up with. Or, and, and, and we like to shoot and edit our own stuff and put it up. And, and we just were at South by Southwest and got some really good stuff. So um, it's up there. Why can't me and you have this kind of relationship, Brian? Oh, we sort of do, I guess. Yeah, put a ring on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's been saying that to me for years. <laughs> Good times. Well, Al and Linda Lerner are sitting in on this entire jaw. For the jawheads that do want to check out the reviews and the interviews, the website is moviesandshakers.com. It's pretty easy. Yeah. I like it. It's got a nice ring to it, too. It movies does. and Shakers. Who came up with that? Me. Good. No, I'm, the, I'm the writer. <laughs> I shouldn't have got it started. Now, we, we like to end our we guest. We won't bicker about it. <laughs> we like to end our guest interviews with a silly cinema cue. Phil, do you got something for Al and Linda? Uh, I do. I do. So since uh, we don't very often have couples in the studio, I do have a very special announcement. Uh, for this week's cinema cue, I'm proud to announce that you guys have won a Dream Stephen King Couples Vacation. Uh, you have one of two <laughs> options. You can either take a beautiful road trip through the cornfields of Gatlin, Nebraska. Beautiful. Or you can have an extended stay over a long weekend at the luxurious and beautiful Overlook Hotel, Ooh. which one do you guys choose? Well, <clears throat> I'll let you choose. Yeah, you know, I have I have bad memories in cornfields already. Oh, that's uh, right. He used to be a skydiver, and that ended his career. <laughs> I, I, I missed I missed I missed the drop zone and and got a got a corn stalk up my butt but I, uh, but so we'll we'll go with the hotel. <laughs> Thank you. It I mean, is all yours. It's not winter and you're snowed in there. Yeah, it's, that's right. It's a nice place. Yeah. See who comes out alive. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Oh boy. All right. Like I said, Alan Linda sitting in on his entire job. This is going to be a blast, man. Indeed. Yes. Brings us to a segment called Eye for an Eye. Yes. Eye for an Eye this week. Hellboy. Based on the graphic novels by Mike Mignola, Hellboy, caught between the worlds of the supernatural and human, battles an ancient sorceress bent on revenge. This time around, David Harbour, best known for Stranger Things, steps into the role of Hellboy, and joining him is Mila Jovovich as Nemu, the Blood Queen. The film is directed by Neil Marshall, who previously directed 2005's The Descent. Rye, we throw it on over to you. Did you say The Descent? Ooh, got me intrigued here. Full disclosure, I've never seen the Hellboy movies. You should. None. You really, really? should. You don't like Ron Perlman? I'm with you. I, I, I want, haven't either. I want to see him now oh. because we're, we're coming into this uh, reboot, so I'm intrigued in checking out the originals. Not so much this one, though. An ignore for me. Yeah. <laughs> Shockingly, Ryan, I'm on the same page with you. I just don't know how you're going to top the Ron Perlman stuff. They they did it. Yeah. It was good. I mean, that's Del Toro. Don't mess with it. This looks kind of schlocky and... Cash grabby. 
Al, how do you feel on this one? I well, I tend to agree. I I, I really enjoyed Ron Perlman. I just watched. I just watched uh, in preparation for the new one. Just watched some of uh, his previous work and. You know what? It, he really has the right vibe, and I don't. I wonder if they're going to be able to capture that sort of um, kind of snarky, uh, satirical kind of vibe again with, with the with the new one. Is that an ignore? Uh, no, I would not ignore it because I like I like the character, so I'd be interested to see it. We'll give him an interested Linda. I'm on Twitter with Ron Perlman. And I get some very interesting feedback from him about a lot of things, particularly politics. I'm kind of intrigued to see it, and so I'll probably will see it, but... Um, but you're worried? Yeah, I'm a little apprehensive. Slight interested. Phil, where do we stand? Uh, I always hate breaking the tie, um, but I actually... I'm also pretty interested. Kind of like Alan Linda were saying, uh, Hellboy's a great comic. Uh, I, so I'm what, what I'm most excited about... I feel like the original series was more of like a, <clears throat> a Guillermo del Toro visionary piece, uh, whereas I f- I'm hoping that this one's going to be a Mike Mignola visionary piece, and it's going to kind of convey the comic books in a little bit darker and grittier way than the, the movies did in their bombast and their color. Sure. Three interesteds, two ignores for Hellboy. Mm. We will see it, yeah, though. Yeah, I know there's a screening next week, so we'll, we'll get a review out for the Jawheads. Of course. But I am interested, and finally, this is forcing me to see the original. You won't be disappointed. I'm going to check it out this weekend, for sure. By the way, can I interject one thing? Please. I'm I'm impressed by this operation, by the way. Are you? Uh, uh, Cinema Jaw? Yes. You you jawheads don't realize how lucky you are to have uh, have this uh, program coming to you from these opulent opulent headquarters. Surroundings. That means a lot because these guys are professionals, you know? Oh, we've been in some pretty... Oh, I've interesting wor- studios. I've worked in some hell holes. <laughs> yeah. We've been in some interesting <laughs> hell holes as well. <laughs> like a closet. So, so we somewhat know what we're doing is what you're saying now. Oh, hell yes. Oh, yes. That's good. Good. We, we, we got a vote of confidence from the learners. Much, much appreciated. I feel good, Thank Matt. You. All right. Speaking of new movies here, guys, after the Christopher Nolan Dark Knight series, DC movies seem to lose their way for a while. Misses like Green Lantern and Suicide Squad came by, and their connected universe seemed rushed. See Batman v Superman. Mm. However, in 2017, they had a bona fide hit on their hands in Wonder Woman. Then last year, the surprisingly fun box office smash Aquaman. This leads us to their latest offering, Shazam. Would this film whimper out like a scared, inexperienced 15-year-old boy? Or would it find the magic and live up to the high standards of a great superhero film? Matt and I grabbed our magic eight ball, gave it a shake, and waited for an answer. You're him. You're the hero. You're welcome for not getting robbed. I'm Batman. Get him back in! How old are you? Basically 15. The film opens in upstate New York in 1974, a father and his two sons driving in a car. This scene thrusts us into the story in a hurry. It is compelling, shocking, and gives us a quick story on who our villain is going to be. Flash forward to present-day Philadelphia, and that is where we meet 15-year-old Billy Batson. Hold on. I need to add some magic to this review. (laughs) 
Let me grab my magic staff and say, Shazam! Whoa, suddenly I'm taller and better looking. It's like I'm a super critic. Okay, Billy Batson has run away from foster home after foster home on a quest to find his real mom. After a run-in with the cops, he's placed in yet another home and quickly makes friends with his foster siblings, especially Freddie Freeman, a disabled boy about his age who is obsessed with superheroes. Foreshadowing. While running from a team of bullies, Billy stumbles into slash is summoned to the lair of a wizard named Shazam, who has been searching for a champion and finds one in Batson. Shazam gives him his powers in order to fight seven demons, the deadly sins, and Billy is transformed into an adult superhero played by Zachary Levi. Hilarity ensues. This is a fairly straightforward superhero origin story. What makes it different is the high level of fun and the youth power fantasy of suddenly becoming a grown-up. That and the chemistry between Jack Dylan Grazer, who plays Freddy, Asher Angel, who plays Billy, and Zach Levi, who plays Captain Marvel. Which brings me to another thing. There, I said it. Captain Marvel. People familiar with this character, like the guy sitting next to me who squeaked and yeehawed at every little Easter egg, will know that he was once called Captain Marvel. Though in this film, he's never even given an official superhero moniker. I think this was a wasted opportunity, but that's a minor dig. Another small gripe, no spoiler here, but the end credit sequence is animated over a Ramon song. Spider-Man Homecoming? Their end credit sequence is animated over a Ramon song. Seriously, watch the two of them back to back. It's the same thing. I enjoyed it, but very derivative. It's a minor gripe though. This movie is fun. The performances are warm and sympathetic. The villain is cool and menacing enough to be interesting, but uh, Shazam! Oh, wow, got my good looks back. In, in, in short here, Matt, I enjoyed Shazam. Way to bring that home, Ryan. <laughs> that was fun. It was fun. It's weird transforming into you and vice Now, versa. you were sitting next to somebody who actually knew oh the character God, and was going nuts. I was sitting next to Alan Linda Lerner. <laughs> what did you guys think of Shazam? Well, I agree with what you said about the end credits because I thought right away about Spider-Verse. Yeah, like, not, I mean, no, not Spider-Verse, uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. Spider-Man Homecoming. Oh, okay. But same thing. It was, yeah, it was a similar kind of thing, though. Yeah. Um, and, and the changing of the names. You know, I had read also about the Cap- Captain Marvel connection. Well, that's an age-old thing. Yeah, and, and, but they kept changing his name in there until they, you know, hit on Shazam or whatever it is and to get the power. Yeah. I, th- I thought it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was fun, and he's a great character. Yeah, and, and that fun comes from Zachary Levi, who plays it just perfectly. I, I can't even imagine somebody else playing it better than he He's a caricature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm this the the, the movie is uh, derivative also of Big as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, yeah. As a matter of fact, I even pay an homage to Big. I, I have that this, in my notes. Yes. In, in this movie as well, which is a lot of fun. And the other thing is, is that this, and I think uh, Zachary Levi uh, captures this very well. All of a sudden, you're a 14 or a 15 year old boy, and you're in a an adult's body. What do you do first? What do you do first? You go and buy beer. You go and buy beer and then go to a strip club. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Of course. I mean, though, that, that kind of uh, sensibility and bringing, bringing that, uh, that fun, that playfulness to it, I thought was very nice. Yeah, it made him very human. It did. It and, did. you know, going into this, I'm not nearly as familiar with these comic book characters as Matt is. So going into it, for instance, last week on Cinema Jaw, our trivia was... 
um, funny superhero movie trivia in honor of um, Shazam, but I didn't think the movie itself was going to have such a serious side to it as well. Yeah. And I think that's what I enjoyed so much is, yes, there was the, the funniness of this 14-year-old boy, 15-year-old boy becoming a superhero, but I had no idea that it was going to be so dark, serious. It's a straightforward superhero movie. Right. Yeah. Well, it actually I had enjoyed a plot. that. It actually had a plot. And it, it was a good a story. Plot. Well, uh, Sandberg, yeah. the director, has a horror background. So he brought some of that. I mean, that, that opening scene you, you referenced is absolutely horrific. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought that the, the seven deadly sins were less so. I, found, yeah. I, I kind yeah. of found them kind of... A stock CGI. You got to have one with a long, one with a long tongue, another one with with the big fingers that look like knives, and everybody has you know the big this big scary teeth. I thought they were they were less uh, horrific than gluttony than was pretty when when it yeah. completely yeah. opens oh, up the, its mouth. That was kind of cool. Yeah, but I agree with funny. you. We we were talking about that on the car ride home. They I think maybe they dialed that back to to make it a little more kid friendly. And there's Maybe. no blood when the seven sins attack? No. Or, Correct. And also they, the way they disappear, you've seen a million times. That mm -hmm. kind of effect. The smoke thing, yeah. yeah. You know, and, and the uh, Savannah family Thanksgiving dinner was, uh, w you know, that was in the boardroom. That scene in the boardroom was, uh, that was pretty. Uh, that was amazing. That was it pretty was. rough. That Straight was out of RoboCop. That was oh, pretty yeah. rough stuff yeah. as well. So, Lots of broken glass. Yeah. Oh, tons of, tons of broken glass. Alrighty, sounds like there's a lot to like. Let's start it off with uh, best and worst parts of Shazam. A favorite scene for me was the um, bulletproof scene, the when he, when he goes to buy beer and discovers that he is impervious to bullets. That's not a spoiler; it's in the trailer. So. Uh, for for mine, uh, number one, we haven't mentioned him. Mark Strong's performance yes. as as the villain. Mm -hmm. I think in all these kind of comic book movies, the stronger the villain, the better the movie. And boy, is Mark Strong fantastic! As would as you say, the, he was strong. He was strong in, in this role. <laughs> um, and then I really did like the, the, the humor that they balance in with the action. And two quick examples is the first time Shazam actually flies is he's falling down and he closes his eyes. He opens his eyes and he's basically floating above yeah, the ground. Right. And there's that moment there for a couple of seconds where he realizes that he's floating and then a bus comes and whacks him. <laughs> that kind of balance with the humor was, was spot on. But for my best scene, and I've talked about, I hate how in these Marvel movies, really superhero movies in general, these characters were allowing them to communicate so easily on screen. They can literally be talking over here, and everybody hears them. This has been a major right. They're miles apart, but somehow. Miles apart, but sometimes out of the country. And somehow Tony Stark can talk to anybody instantly. Do they all hear that? I don't know how it works. Well, what do they do here is this wonderful scene where Shazam goes up. The villains are probably about, uh, you know, a mile away from them, but they're flying. And the villain goes into this big speech that they always right. do. And then they the cut monologue, to yes. Shazam. And he's so far away that he can't hear him talking. Like, why <laughs> would you be able to hear him talk? Oh, did I love that. That was like yeah. my favorite scene. Okay. Note to writer, give him super hearing next time. <laughs> 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 it was fantastic. Uh, as far as a, a bad scene? Yeah, what you got, right? No, nothing really for me. I didn't have like a one moment, maybe the homage actually to Big, because I, I felt it enough was already there. Especially oh, when, that. when they come out of the uh, store where they go to buy the beer, and then I don't want to ruin that joke, but then they come out again with the 
uh, snacks and the candy. Right at that point, I thought, boy, is this just like Big? You know, it already had the feeling. Yeah. And I thought when they did the homage a little bit later, like a little on the head here. I mean, I think everybody felt Big already. Yeah, well, I yeah. thought that scene, the homage to, to Big, and I won't say what it was, but the way they came out of it was just kind of awkward. They didn't play it right. Mm -hmm. I think they could have done better. Literally? Yeah, I think they literally. could. Literally. <laughs> literally. Uh, can I, get, can yeah. I give you a scene? I thought that the, um, you know, he, he ends up, uh, uh, Billy ends up in a group home in this, this spacious house in Philadelphia with this loving couple who's the foster parents who take in all of these, all of these kids. And I th thought that that whole family dynamic um, felt forced and inauthentic and kind of oh, really? clunky. And it, until, until later in the movie, I won't give that spoiler away until... It, everyone emerges, mm -hmm. in the, you know, in, in they flower, they blossom. But I, I, f I felt that those, scene, those scenes did not feel very uh, authentic I'm to me. I'm going to bicker with mm. you on that one. Mm. Okay. Because I think that little girl was absolutely adorable, and she had a lot of good punchlines. Are did. we talking the about the littlest girl? The, the yeah. Littlest what was her name? Can we throw that in the job throw box? Throw it in the job box. Okay. Mm -hmm. Phil will get yeah. us the facts during the break. Mm -hmm. And I, I agree with you, and too, and she has to keep a too. secret at one point, and it was very cute the way that, that played out. She was out. cute. She was good. I, I thought the dynamic with, with the brothers and the sisters, and, you know, and Billy having to go, you're not my brother, you're not my... No, no. I thought one of my favorite scenes, right, 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 though, right. was them, when the bullies get their due. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No doubt. Great. I yeah. agree. Uh, what about influences other than Big, of course? I mean, that's what I got. I got Spider-Man: Homecoming and Big. Oh, you're missing a big one. Okay. No pun intended. The greatest American hero TV show. Oh yeah, dude. Good call. Oh, yes. It, 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 especially during the flying test, which is in the trailer where they're asking like if he can fly. Boy, did that not remind me of the television show. I, I'm almost positive that's almost just like that where he's trying to fly for the very first time phil and our intern corbin have no idea what you're talking about ryan <laughs> they, i guarantee you guys know what we're talking about the greatest american hero corbin's wagging no. his head phil doesn't know either. throw it in throw that in the uh fish tank phil I when, when that, that came out I, that think that show was, I think that show was only on two seasons mm. but <laughs> millions of lunch boxes sold <laughs> did you have one of course i did <laughs> right next to my a-team lunchbox uh, what did you guys learn? That fun can be enough. It, I mean, don't get me wrong. This movie is is good. It's well-crafted. But I think the thing that it rests on most of all is fun. And that's okay. I learned that, believe it or not, this is not a joke, DC knows how to have fun. <laughs> so Finally, I was with they, you on they the fun needed line. To. And they needed to. Yes. And I think it, it's something that I think they were trying to catch up with Marvel, that they were so tied up with that that they weren't just relaxed and having fun with their own characters. And they seem to have done that the last few movies. Wonder Woman, Aquaman, and Shazam all have an element of fun to them again. It's more than fun. It's poking fun at themselves sure. to a certain extent. I, I think, agree. And that works. Yeah. All right. There's a nice, there's a nice learn in this movie. Actually, there's a, actually a message in this movie. Uh, message I took away from it, it's not enough to have superpowers it's you have to learn how to use your superpowers I think what you're trying to say is with great power comes great, great responsibility, responsibility. <laughs> exactly and 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 that's that's the learn going on and of course they will be you know two and three and four oh, and yeah. five and that will be part of the uh, the journey that he's gonna go on well and also don't take yourself too seriously this is true it's got a touch of Deadpool in there as well. A little just bit, yes. just a little bit. Just a scotch. Yep. 
Alrighty then. Uh, how about movie poster quotes for Shazam? Here's my quote: Captain Who. And take that as you will. Yeah, I hate to one up you again, Matt, but uh, I'm going to do it again. Um, my movie poster quote is 1.21 gigawatts of fun. I don't get the reference. It's a bolt of lightning. Oh, geez. That's a stretch, right? Yep. Okay. I don't know if you one up to me there. All right. How many jaws? We're on a four-jaw scale. Al, how many jaws for Shazam? Can I use half jaws? You sure. bet. Okay, three and a half jaws. Linda? I was going to say same. <clears throat> I'll go a solid three. I'll go a solid three as well. So we all enjoyed Shazam. It was yep. good. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, if you agree with our review or disagree or have a comment about that review, write us feedback at cinemajaw.com. Now, Billy Batson is an unlikely hero. So For that sure. is our top five this week. Unlikely heroes in movies. Linda, you want to get us started? <sighs> I have a lot of heroes, unlikely heroes, but I'll start with three in one movie. Oh, my goodness. Wizard of Oz. Oh, yeah. Tin sure. Man, Scarecrow, and who's the other one? Cowardly Lion. Cowardly, Cowardly Lion. Lion. Oh, the Lion's one of my favorites. I love him. <laughs> Yeah, Definitely but they unlikely. Are very unlikely. I have to say, since my family is probably listening, Parker, my son, got cast as the Cowardly Lion in his school's production of The Wiz. We're very proud. So Thank shout out wow. to Parker. Oh. Good, Good pick, Linda. Thank you. Are you making a costume? No, no, no. I mean, the, the school will. Yeah, the school will get. Yeah, they actually, it's like an art school, so they, they, they go all out. Ooh, very yeah. good. Well, very I might cool. have to attend big, big production that values. Yeah, come on out. All, the, all the proceeds benefit the school. It's great. Cool. Al, what do you got sitting at number five? Uh, number five. I'll go with the, the three. I'll stay with the three, uh, uh, the three uh, theme here. Three Amigos. Nice. Yes. Great <laughs> pick. I love that movie. Yeah. I mean, the, the you know, three schlubs. Three schlubs on horseback with, with big sombreros, and, and they have no idea how to be heroes, and they pull it off. I agree. All right. That swings it to me. At number five, I'm going to go with uh, a superhero Hit Girl from Kick-Ass. Did, did not expect this little girl to be quite as effective and lethal, though it may not be a good profession for her. She's certainly very good at it. And she is playing the hero, defeating all the villains. I thought it was pretty unlikely. All right. I like Kick-Ass. Yeah. Not so big on Kick-Ass, too. I'm, I'm with you on that. But the first one was good. My number five is a, a character known as Waste Allocation Load Lifter, Earth Class, better known as Wall-E. Oh, you. Did you. you took it away from I think you might have stolen Al's. Yeah, you did. You well done. thunder. Good for you. Pixar movie 2008, that one came out. And I mean, who doesn't fall in love with Wall-E? But the idea that this, this little robot is left to Earth to compact all the garbage after the humans oh. have, have left. And yeah. he literally saves planet earth right yeah. he brings the humans back because he can save that plant and get it in the right hands and oh yeah and he and he wrings tears out of you he does oh yeah and he gets the girl too and he gets the girl he, gets the girl. Mm. he is a hero wally yeah. and i remember seeing it and thinking come on it looks so much like short circuit is that the movie i'm thinking of it is yeah number five and, johnny and, and being so you know down on it before i even saw the movie and then you walk into wally and Pixar at its best, you know? They do good stuff. I think that may have been the one where we finally realized Pixar can do no wrong. Right. It's before Brave. Mm. Yeah. All right, we're into our fours, Linda. Ghostbusters. 
you go. You guys are naming some of my favorite movies. I mean, the most unlikely. Seriously. They saved the world, at least New York. Yes. That's what made them so likable as well, you know, because they were, you wouldn't think that they would ever be the heroes, and that's what makes them so popular. Right. It's awesome. And, you know, they're the Mm anti-hero heroes. Well, yeah. Very good. Yeah, that was on my list, too. Wow. Uh, my turn. Is first. it my turn? Sure. Go ahead, Al. I'm going to go back in history now. We'll, okay. go, we'll go black and white nice. for this one. And we're going to go to James. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to go to uh, the man who shot Liberty Valance. I'm not familiar with this one. I've heard of the movie. Certainly never seen it. I have seen not it. seen it either. This has come up on Cinema Jaw in the past. So uh, we have this. Gary Cooper, right? No, it's, it's, um, it's oh. not Gary. Uh, who's... Uh, Who's uh, in Washington? Who's uh, Jimmy Stewart? Stewart. Okay. So oh, yeah. Jimmy's, oh, Jimmy Jimmy yeah, Stewart. Jimmy Stewart is is a is a schlubby <laughs> sodbuster in this little in this little backhole town, and the 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 bad guy. I mean, the awful uh, gunslinger is coming to to take over to take over the town and. The, the townsfolk need need a hero to stand up to him, and you know the sheriff runs off, and the marshal, no marshal, and no lawman, and all of a sudden it's up to Jimmy Stewart to save the <laughs> town, and he has no idea, and he is he knows he is dead meat, but somehow, and I won't give it away, somehow he kills Liberty Valance. Jimmy Stewart did a lot of those roles, though. He did. I didn't know he did a lot of westerns. Not westerns. He was an unlikely hero in in several movies. Mr. Smith Goes to Washington mm-hmm. and also Miracle on 34th Street. You could make a case for It's a Wonderful Life, too, and even yeah. Rear Window. Yeah. Oh, not Miracle, yeah. Yes, you can make it. Wasn't it wasn't Miracle know, for, on 34th Street. Was, for, it's it a wonderful, in, for It's a Wonderful it's Life, life. Abso- mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. But The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance is, you know, is... I, I do got to see it. John Wayne's also in in the movie. I got to see this movie. Yeah. It's a, it's a classic. Yeah. Yep. Matt? All right. Uh, okay. That brings it to my number four. And this is where I put in, speaking of 1.21 gigawatts, George McFly. Mm. Oh. The heel for the entire movie, just just a sniveling coward who climbs trees to peep on girls, uh, is, is a nerd, is socially awkward. But, but when he opens that car door and says, hey, you, get your damn hands off her, <laughs> he, he has his moment to shine. He, he makes a fist and he clocks Biff right in the grill. He does. And that's a transformative moment. What else is great about that is that scene afterwards when they're at the dance and now he's got his confidence and everybody's going up to him. Hey, George, hurry, you knock Biff out, you know? Yeah. You really feel good for the guy, right? That's all you need to do, just knock out a bully, you yep. know? Love it. My number four, 2015 movie, also was a little worried about it because I think we'd seen this formula play out many a times, but the movie worked. Suzanne Cooper was the name of the character played by Melissa McCarthy in Spy. Oh, yes. Oh. Yeah. So here she was uh, working at the CIA as a like a analyst right. and she's more or less like in the she's a pencil pushing desk right. jockey. Yeah, yeah, totally up at the desk all the time and she needs to go into the field and be undercover. And of course she's completely not ready for this and Emotionally, but physically, she she kicks ass. She ends up, and it ends up being a really good action movie. So that's another one where the, it, it was funny. It has a great cast, and the action worked. So right, you think spy. it's going to be a, a crappy fish out of water comedy, and it worked. No, if you haven't seen it, it's well worth a spin. I agree. Yep. Spy. 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 Uh, yeah, I've seen seen that. One. That brings us to your number three. Three, Linda. Linda. My number oh, three. I got a 
bunch of them here. Um, Forrest Gump. Yeah. This is a great picks for sure. Uh, Absolutely. Gump. Chocolate, box of chocolate. No doubt. It's like the football coach or somebody, uh, yeah, when they see him running and they're like, oh, that's just a local idiot, right? Right. Because that's what the town thought of him. Everyone dismisses him. Right. Mm-hmm. But when you're Tom Hanks. You can do anything. <laughs> can do, can you can play it. piano. Can you run across. You can run across the country. You can line. You can land a plane on the Hudson. You can do anything. <laughs> you can be on an island with a basketball. Yeah, it's a volleyball. It's a volleyball. That's true. That's true. true. It is. It's a ball. Nice pick with Forrest Gump. Al, what he gets. Uh, let's go back to 2004. Simon Pegg, Shaun of the Dead. Guys, nice. nice. absolutely honorable mention of, of mine. Yeah. Yep. So it's on my list as well for I mean, you know, you know uh, uh, heading off the zombie apocalypse is always, is always got to be on your list. So uh, it was funny. I, I, again, funny and ironic and had other themes working underneath as well. And there's a lot of beer. So there you <laughs> go. And it's an absolute love letter to uh, George Romero, you know, yep. and, and all the zombie movies that came before. It's yep. a favorite of mine for sure. All right. All right, at number three, I have one of the most unlikely heroes. When we meet this character, he's meek, fat, also a little cowardly, certainly forgetful. Oh, hold on. That description, uh-huh. I think, is my number three as well. Really? Is well, it in a series? Yes. A long series, like eight or nine movies? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. My number three is Neville Nev Long- Longbottom. Yeah, Neville Longbottom. Yeah, the yeah. buck tooth uh, sort of butt of all the jokes in the first few movies but damn it, if he doesn't pick up the sword and, and attack that snake in the last movie and basically saves Harry's ass and, and the entire world. I was watching that scene, you know, getting ready for the show today, and I was shocked because he gives a really good speech there, too. I mean, he yeah, really gets like his Braveheart moment. My understanding is his, his arc was much more defined in the books. Now, you've read the books, you right? You still haven't? I have not. You must be the last person alive. No. Um, but in the in the movies, I think that's where I would I would fault some of the movies. Like that really, to me, is just a Harry Potter movie watcher and not reading the books. Came out of sort of nowhere. I didn't see his story arc progress the way it did in probably sure. the last like two movies compared to the rest of the series. Yeah, Neville Neville goes through a lot in the books, a lot, uh, and mm. so you get to see his character sort of grow. And he he, but he doesn't. St- it's still unlikely, even in the novels, for him to find that that hero inside. So it's a great moment to see on the screen. My number three as well, Mr. Longbottom. So that brings us into our twos, twos. Linda. What do you got there? Uh, this is getting tough, but I liked Edward Scissorhands. Yeah, I thought he was an unlikely hero of sorts and very picturesque. Is he a hero? I'm not sure. Yeah, he's the hero of the story. Yeah, he, he goes is. through the hero's journey. You know, there's an old man in a cave on a hill. Cave being in air quotes. He's the hero. Yeah. He saves the girl from the bully. Yes, he does. One, yeah. of, one of the last great performances by... Um, oh, don't Jack. say that. Is it Anthony Michael Hall? What's oh. that guy's name? Is that right? Throw it in the jaw box. Phil, who's the actor who plays the bully in... Uh, Edward Scissorhands. He was also in Breakfast Club. You know who I'm talking yes. about. Yeah. Anthony yeah, he was. Oh, yeah. Anthony Michael okay. Hall. Yes. It, it, yes. You can yes, rem- it is. You can remove it from the jaw box, Phil. <laughs> Al, what pick. do you got sitting at two? Uh, at two, I've got um, Elijah Wood in uh, Lord of the Rings. 
Yeah. Good old Frodo. Frodo. Good old Frodo. You know, four four feet of rock'em sock'em. Let's go to the let's go to Middle Earth. So uh, yeah, I mean he's uh, again uh, scared. He's unsure of himself, and he steps up whenever whenever they really need him. He he steps up. So I think Peter Jackson. I wonder how much of that was him or Peter Jackson's direction that made that so mm. so wonderful uh, so wonderful a character but uh, it is it's it's one for the ages well you got to give some credit to Tolkien as well for for creating Frodo oh, okay <laughs> all right he started it <laughs> he did all right Jay <laughs> I'm the buzzkill okay. all right uh, at number two here's another one who we meet and he's just a total whiner like when he says Uncle Owen oh, this R2 you and it's got a bad motivator Luke Skywalker did yeah. not see that coming. Thought Han Solo was going to be the hero. Mm. Everybody did. No. Luke Luke is a whiny baby when we meet him. He's he's yeah, I almost he didn't is. want him to become the hero. He sniveled so bad. I just <laughs> didn't like Luke at first. <laughs> didn't like him really until he's in the X-wing attacking the Death Star oh, at the end. I, I love Luke. I love when the first time they see the Millennium Falcon and he's like, what, this? He's like, oh my God, I, right. I, could, I could buy my own ship he, for this. He's, and he's <laughs> like, yeah, who's going to fly a kid? He's like, I'm not such a bad pilot. Let's get out of here, Ben, he says. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. Yeah, but he's a whiny jerk. Like, <laughs> I don't w- like this kid. I don't want to see him become the hero, but somehow he sure did. And wow, what a hero. Especially in the three movies. He's so confident in, in Jedi. It's yeah. awesome. When, he, when R2 shoots the green lightsaber mm, to the him. The best. Oh, what a moment. Uh, my number two, I believe the character's name is Russell Casey. I may be wrong on that. Uh, played wonderfully by Randy Quaid in Independence Day. Nice. And if you'll recall, he is in the beginning talking about how he's been abducted by aliens and people are laughing at him and he's sort of the, the town drunk and looks like he's got nothing on the horizon and lo and behold once the aliens come now everybody sort of maybe believes this guy again and he has that great heroic moment where he flies up into the spaceship and he says hello boys i'm back yeah (laughs) what a moment it is yeah i love i love that character man poor randy quaid he's sort of uh gone off the deep end a little bit Mm. but he was great back in the day i miss him I yeah, miss the good he had Randy some Quaid. Problems in his life, poor guy. Yeah, I feel bad. I definitely do. All right, these are our number one unlikely heroes. Linda, you're up first. Well, I bl- I really like two characters from another movie that probably isn't that popular, but it was War of the Planet of the Apes. Maurice and Bad Ape really were very cool, unlikely heroes, and they sacrificed themselves in that movie for other people or things. You just made Ryan's day. He's a big. I apes love those fan. movies. Yeah, who doesn't like movie. the apes movies? But that one was particularly touching. Mm-hmm. I thought it had a lot of emotion to it. It did. Hmm. I love Maurice mm-hmm. carrying the little girl on his back. So good. And they're CGI characters, and they have that emotional connection with them. I agree with you, totally. Well, that that was an Andy Circus performance. Yeah? Yes, it was. I mean, that guy is just amazing. The, the physical um, aptitude that he has, amazing, un, unparalleled. Al, you're number one. You'll never guess this one in a million years. It's a musical. Oh, and wait. I actually think I'm I have stumped. a guess. Well, you, you think? I, I do. Wait, is there, is there a, a talking plant in the musical? There is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you do. Yes, yeah, Seymour in Little Shop of Horrors. 
I mean, what is who is more unlikely than this nebby, this nebbish guy yeah. who raises who raises the, the the plant that's going to eat everyone? You know, it does eat everyone. And we know who he's played by. Rick Moranis. Yeah. That's right. Rick Moranis. Rick Moranis. The main man. I miss right. Rick Moranis. So we have, we have, him, in, we have him in two movies. We have him in Ghostbusters and, and here. So, yeah. uh, so I just love, I just love his, char- his character. And I love how, uh, again, this, 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 hero's, this hero's evolution and with song. How can you beat that? Yeah, suddenly Seymour still one of my favorites from that movie. Yes. Yeah, Bill Murray pops up too. That's a great movie. I think uh, more people should revisit it. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, that brings it to my number one, I believe. And in all honesty, I had Frodo. So I'm going to do an audible and sub one that hasn't been mentioned yet. And I'm going to give some props to Chunk from the Goonies. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah we he were was, talking about that. Chunk Chunk gets bullied a lot. He gets pushed around. They force him to do the truffle shuffle. We don't think much of Chunk at the beginning of the Goonies, but damn it, if he doesn't find Sloth, go and rescue the Goonies from having to walk the plank, and uh, they yep. get away with the rich stuff in the end. So thanks to Chunk. It's a good pick, Matt. Thanks, man. What do you and got? I, le- I I went outside of the box here. Uh, went with another Pixar movie. I, I, I wow. believe Pixar actually has a lot of unlikely heroes. That's what makes some of their movies, uh, you know. So touching? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. My number one, a movie I love, Inside Out, Unlikely Hero, Sadness. Oh, yes. Aww. Oh, yeah. And I rewatched the scene again, getting ready for today's you you're, know, show. You're so emo. And here you got Riley, who ran away from her house. She's unable to uh, deal or express how she's feeling. And inside that head, in the control room, um, sadness finally takes control of, of the control board. And with that, Riley starts to feel sad and ends up coming home and finally is able to express herself to her parents that she misses Minnesota. And, you know, it, it teaches us a lot, right? It teaches the, the kids exactly, you know, that you need all these emotions. It's not just yeah. everything's happy and laughing That's all true. the time, but that sadness plays a key part in everybody's lives. It's a whole movie. It's the thing's a masterpiece. Right. It's about emotional maturity, too, because the sadness combines with the joy. Joy, and She, she exactly. learns about bittersweet and mm-hmm. melancholy and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. And I, I literally, I watched it. It was only probably about four minutes. And I swear to God, I, w- I was emotional watching that. <laughs> and I, I was eating my mustard chili, and I was watching that. And I was getting all, all teary-eyed. And I thought, i got to rewatch the whole thing. Was it the, was it whole the whole bing bong start. scene? Ooh. Oh, great one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, quick time for some honorable mentions that were not talked about i hit all mine what do you guys got you got some more i have a couple more um i thought about deep throat in all the president's men because he's really a, an unlikely hero. Oh, wow, I was yeah. I was, I, I was nervous for a moment when you go <laughs> we, a few a few weeks ago we did uh we did our uh I like favorite sex movies and and that one came up actually deep throat oh the there you go yeah and, and the other one um i thought jennifer jason lee in in hateful eight was kind of an unlikely hero of sorts. Mm-hmm. It's a stretch. Yeah. Bit of a stretch, but I mean, certainly an unlikely, amazing role for Amazing her. role. Yeah. And she was kind of, became stronger and stronger as the movie went on. Mm. Two that were not mentioned for me, Shrek. Oh, uh-huh. yeah, Shrek was on that. On my uh, list. But I was just getting so many animated movies. I thought, I can't go three animated movies on this list. And uh, Lucas. Remember the, what was yeah. that, Corey... 
it was Corey Haim. It was no, Haim. No, no, no. It was Sean, Sean Astin. Speaking no, of, spe- it wasn't Sean Astin. Speaking it was of Corey uh, Feldman. Speaking of the go- the Goonies. Oh, it was Haim. It was Haim. Corey Haim. It was Sean Astin. It oh was no, Corey wait, no. Haim. I'm thinking of Rudy. You're right. Yeah. Right. And another, oh, another Rudy is one. Another Rudy, one. Is, Rudy is another. Yeah, one. that's another one. Uh, what one. about uh, uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? Oh, yeah, totally. And uh, <laughs> and Ripley from Alien. Yeah, you know she, you know she was never a shrinking violet in this, but she just had to endure what she, in, in the original what she endured, you know to to beat uh, to uh, to fight to fight off. Yeah, H.R. <laughs> I mean, Geiger's was, nightmares. Yeah, I mean that is when that that was truly a um, uh, a monster that still to this day uh, terrifies me. You know, and back then, uh, what was that? Late 70s, 78, yeah. 79? There weren't a lot of strong female action stars. So, no. yeah, she was kind of a prototype. Yep, great pick, guys. I agree. All right, if we missed your favorite unlikely hero, and you have Twitter pulled up, shoot us a tweet. At Cinema Jaw, we'll retweet it and get the discussion going. Or you can always write us an email, feedback at cinemajaw.com. What we're going to do is take a break, Matt. When we come back, we have a cinema war looking at the original Pet Cemetery trivia and spoiler lounge with us. Can't wait. Yes. Stick with us. Let's all go to the lobby. In honor of Cinema Jaws' Stephen King Month, we brace ourselves for this grisly scene in 1990s misery. Paul, do you know about the early days of the Kimberly Diamond Mines? Do you know what they did to the native workers who stole diamonds? Don't worry, they didn't kill them. That would be like junking your Mercedes just because it had a broken spring. No, if they caught them, they had to make sure they could go on working. But they also had to make sure they could never run away. The operation was called hobbling. Annie, whatever you think I'm not doing, please don't do it. <laughs> Annie, for God. Trust me. God, stay. This is Matt Kay with a quick reminder. You can catch Cinema Jaw anywhere you find podcasts like Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and now Spotify. That's right. We are on Spotify. You probably listen to a bunch of music at work or something like that. Just pull up Cinema Jaw. It's uh, very convenient for you. And while you're there, click subscribe. It's one extra button, and you will never miss an episode. And thanks. To get ourselves a treat. And we are back on Cinema Jaw, hanging out with Al and Linda Lerner. Just got to Ooh. hear a fun clip from Stephen King's Misery. Ooh, Man, that was a great clip. I'm looking at my feet right now. <laughs> my heart is pumping. It's a great scene. <laughs> a horrific, but great scene. Again, for the uh, Jawheads who want to check out your reviews and your <coughs> interviews, uh, the <coughs> best place to do so online is? 
moviesandshakers.com. Awesome. Do it, Jawheads. All right, before we get to the big cinema war and some trivia, we threw a few items into the fish tank, and I know Phil wants to swim up to the top, so let's open up that fish tank. Who's coming with me besides Flipper? Here. That's a second message. That means Luca Brasi sleeps with the fishes. We're gonna need a bigger boat. Hey guys, uh, it's really good to be out, uh, mostly because I am still very, very shook. Uh, just to paint the picture here so the jawheads know, obviously I'm in the fish tank, and what that means is I'm on the opposite side of everybody else. So I have my own view of everything going on. Um, and so while we were playing the misery clip, everyone else just heard it. Uh, but Corbin, our intern, and I were forced to watch this again. And I realized I think I've what do only you mean forced. I, I, I actually <laughs> I realized I think I've only ever seen that scene once in my life. And then every subsequent viewing of that film, I did what I did tonight, where it's like I. I Turn do not. Away. Yeah, and because <laughs> I would rather watch every junior year health class video a thousand times before I see this again. I don't know if <laughs> everyone else has that same reaction, but not I, at all. I laughed out loud. I watched it today. Oh, on YouTube. I can't. It's, I can't do it. It's oh, great. Oh, it gives me the GB. Even now, like I'm still it. like, I shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> um, that being said, uh, we'll we'll get through this together with our fish tank questions. Our first one: uh, What was the little girl's the the younger foster sister's name in Shazam? Um, so that character's name was Darla Dudley, uh, and she was portrayed by two different actresses throughout the film. Uh, uh, the older one was Megan Good, but obviously the one that we were talking about in the show tonight was by Faith Herman. That was the child uh, version. Um, then when did The Greatest American Hero come out? Uh, the original run on ABC ran from March 18th, 1981 to February 3rd. Uh, 1983 and it had three seasons and a comic book uh spinoff the greatest heroine uh and then uh they're actually been trying to reboot it with who else but phil lord and chris miller mm. of the lego movie and into the spider verse trying to remake that that is interesting, interesting. Hmm. wow was that everything that is all we got all right jump back in that fish tank will do Matt, it brings us to a segment called Cinema War. The Cinema War, it works like this. Me and Matt, we're fighting on a topic. Our guests, Al and Linda, get to play judge, jury, and executioner and tell the jawheads at home who they think won the Cinema War. Loser gets hobbled. No. (laughs) That's scary. Or axed. Actually, the winner gets uh, 20 seconds of jaw time to rant and rave on whatever we want. It's Stephen King month here on Cinema Jaw. What's the Cinema War topic, Phil? Yes, today we fight over is the original Pet Cemetery a horror classic? Matt, you're going to be fighting for yes, absolutely it's a horror classic. And Ryan, you've got no, absolutely not. Pet Cemetery is not a horror classic. Wow, this is like high school debate. Right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let this roaring debate of a cinema war begin. Pet Cemetery, a horror classic? <laughs> It's not even Stephen King classic. You never hear it mentioned with the likes of Misery, The Shining, or Stand By Me. Pet Cemetery is subpar horror and subpar King adaptation. It should not have been resurrected. Stand By Me is not a horror movie, Ryan. And I don't often start Cinema Wars out this way, but are you out of your goddamn mind? 
Steve Barton of Dread Central gave it four out of five stars and called it one of the best Stephen King adaptations. And even better than that, our beloved Gene Siskel gave it zero stars and his movie poster quote was one word, sickening. That is probably the single greatest endorsement a horror movie can get. Regan's head turning around, they're here from Poltergeist, the iconic music from Halloween. Horror classics have a moment or a scene or an element that is unforgettable. Pet Cemetery has none of this. When talking wow. about Pet Cemetery, you don't ask the person what your favorite scene was, but more like, can you remember any scene from that movie? Wow. Because, Matt, it's forgettable. You're wrong. You're wrong. And if you want to talk about a song, here's the real smoking gun. It seems very stylish right now for movies to end with Ramon's songs these days. Pet Cemetery did this way back in 1989, way ahead of its time. Plus, it's the only Ramon song that was written specifically for the film that it is in, and it became one of their greatest hits. That alone qualifies this movie as a classic. To the scorecard we go. The Conjuring, 85% fresh on the tomatoes. Psycho, 97%. Rosemary's Baby, 99% fresh. These are classics. The original Pet Cemetery. 50%. It's rotten, Matt. I'm not alone. It was not a good movie, let alone a horror classic. I don't know if Tomatoes judges horror movies properly. Pet Cemetery also brought Fred Gwynn's career back from the dead. Where else outside of My Cousin Vinny or the Car 54 remake can you catch a serious Fred Gwynn performance? Where, Ryan? Nowhere but the Pet Cemetery. It gave us two Utes. So many great films come from Stephen King's stories, but this was not one of them. I rewatched it recently and was shocked how dull it was. It was slow, poorly acted, not scary, just an overall dud. To call it a horror classic is criminal. Let's bury this argument. Oh, man. All right, I want to leave you with this. You said there were no memorable scenes or moments. Little Miko Hughes, no relation to any other Hugheses, one of the creepiest horror kids of all times. His tiny little hands holding that scalpel, slicing people's Achilles tendons, scared the bejeebus out of me. I still get the willies every time I see a little kid holding a scalpel. Classic moments from a classic horror film. This is, of course it is a classic, Ryan. It's, it, of course it is. We are buttonheads here as we do each and every week on Cinemore. We throw it to our guest, our jury. What did you guys think of this Cinemore? I'm still, I'm still trying to get my, my mind around every time I see a little kid with a scalpel. I'm glad you picked up on that. Thank you. It happens every day. Well, hey, kid, uh, can you put the scalpel down, please, just for a minute, and let's pick up the crayons? Yeah. Um, well, this, is a, this was a spirited, a spirited uh, conversation, to say the least, a spirited debate. Um, you made uh, good points about, especially the Ramones, uh, the Ramones and the music uh, uh, stuck with me. Hey, you know, there's something classic about that. But the fact that over the years that it has not had uh, staying power, that the, the, the movie itself, that original, hasn't uh, moved into the pantheon of the greats uh, in the Stephen King songbook uh, leads me to say that Ryan wins. Yes! Do you agree? Do you concur? I have to say that I thought that you had a lot of positive points to make about the movie and that it really stuck with you quite a bit. 
I thought that Ryan had some very good arguments, but I think that I'm, I'm going more toward, I'm leaning more towards the positive side here. Oh, this is this is a. Uh, are you are you picking Matt? I am picking Matt. Oh, what do we do, Ryan? I know we, we tiebreaker. So yeah, the, this is this is the problem when you have a couple yes. as <laughs> as your guests. You get so. Where's our tie? Should we should we go into the? Should fish we go bowl to Phil? For, what do you want to do here? Or how about we both just take twenty seconds? Let's take twenty seconds. All right. And I think hey, we could talk Ryan, about the same thing. Ryan, you know thing. what? Well done for convincing. No, the Joker trailer came out today. Dude, it looks really promising. That's exactly what I have written down. It looks really promising. It, it looks does. really promising. Yes, it does. That was our twenty seconds. Yeah. All right. Hey, hmm. I could take a tie. First time ever. All right. I'm not happy with right, the tie. Right. I want to win or, you know, we to me, that's a, here. A, a tie here is a loss with Matt, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, Thanks, Linda. It's a classic. <laughs> it's a classic. Now I'm pissed. Well, basically, <laughs> you, you didn't lose, Ryan, but you didn't win. Uh, I'm upset. All right. Uh, we, In we the world of hockey, you still get a point. <laughs> you know, you still get Overtime. a point. Overtime. We like to go out with a bang here and play some trivia. In honor of Hellboy, we're playing Red Character movie trivia. Oh, jeez. Al and Linda, you're our guests. You get to choose if you want to go first or let Matt go first. Mm. There are steals, and if you get hung up on any questions, you get one trip into the fish tank for Filmy and Phil. They start off easy. Oh. Want to go first? Oh, and we just have to name a red character? No, no, no. I'm going to ask questions about it. Oh, you're going to ask questions. Oh, I was all prepared. Okay. Question one over to Al and Linda. Okay. Deadpool is known to wear a red mask. What actor is under that mask? Who plays Deadpool? Ryan Gosling. Oh. Wait, they're looking. Could be a different Ryan. Oh, Ryan. Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds, yeah. They are on the board. One to nothing, the learners. Okay. Question two over to Matt K. Matt, this Pixar movie that came out in 2012 saw the main character sport a crossbow and flowing red hair. Name it. Brave. Interestingly enough, I, I named it earlier. Uh, it did come up. A rare misstep from Pixar. One to one. Question three back over to the learners. Lightning McQueen is a red stock car in the movie Cars. Who voices him? Oh. Oh. I don't know. I, don't know. I, I do know, but I can't think of him, his name right now. What else has he done? What else has he done? What else have you seen him in? Oh, he was in a movie with Goldie Hawn at one point. A movie with a, Goldie Hawn. Yeah. Should know this. Well, you. I got young kids, guys. Of course, I know this one. Yeah, you do know this one. Oh boy! Any guess? Any guess? I had to watch this movie like fifty times. And I did too. It's actually yeah. pretty decent. The first Cars is pretty decent. I can't think of his name. All right. No. Matt. Owen Wilson. We're the Wilson oh. boys. Owen Wilson. It was Owen. Jeez, and I met him in an airport when I, when no, I was Luke. taking... No, you met Luke. Oh, it was Luke at the airport yeah. in Madison. Oh, man. Two to one, the evil Matt K. And question four is over to him. Matt, Darth Maul, mm -hmm. red face and all, killed Qui-Gon Jinn in episode one. Who played Qui-Gon? Um, that was um, Mr. Taken himself, Liam Neeson. Three to one, Matt K. We need Ooh. a big comeback here. I don't know. <laughs> what question number was that? That, that, was, that, that, was should have been, that should have been number one. Question five over to the learners. Morgan Freeman played Ellis Boyd Redding, better known as Red, in this 1994 film based on a Stephen King 
short story. Would you say it was a classic Stephen King? Yes. Red. Stephen King <clears throat> jail movie. Shawshank? Shawshank, yeah. Yeah. Three to two. Learners are crawling back into it. Question six over to Matt <laughs> K. Matt, in, uh, in the first Captain America film, this actor played Red Skull, who literally had a Red Skull. Yeah. Um, the super soldier experiment gone wrong. Hugo Weaving. Wow. Wow. You're not well, kidding. I'm, I'm Four a, to two, Matt K. I'm, I'm impressed. Don't be. Don't be. <laughs> are you impressed? I'm, I'm impressed by that. Yeah, I no, didn't know that. This is going to be tricky. You do have a lifeline here. Question seven. We all know Ben Affleck played Daredevil in the 2003 film. What actor played Bullseye in the movie? Yeah. You do have a lifeline. Do you want to use it? Yeah, Yeah, lifeline. Fill me in, Phil. Question number seven. Who played Bullseye in the 2003 Daredevil movie? All righty, Alan Linda. Your guys' clue this week. Yorgos Lanthimos would say he is a lobster. Oh, Oh, the guy who played the... Yeah. And I just saw that. I just watched the movie. I can see him, but I can't think of the name. Wasn't Ben? Not Ben. Um, nope. If nope. I if I give you the initials, yeah. C F. Come on, Al. No. <laughs> no. No. Nope, ah. don't, don't have it. Nope. Matt, best movie eyebrows since Peter Gallagher. Is that the guy's name from? Uh, <laughs> From American Beauty, who the wife cheats on Kevin Spacey with? I don't know. Oh, you know who I'm talking about, though. Those eyebrows. Yeah, Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell. Uh, Well, we should have known that from. Yeah, we should have known that. That was a scary movie too. Which one? Lobster. The lobster. Yeah. Yeah. Great one for sure. Uh, Last question. Daredevil's also scary, but different way. Last question of the game. Over to Matt K. Matt, Inside Out, a Pixar masterpiece I mentioned, featured four emotions: anger, being red in color. Who voiced anger wow. in the film? Wow. No clue. Um, fill me in, Phil. Alrighty, Matt, your clue this week. Although it's not red, his last name is a color. We know this one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got this one. Um, not red, but his last name is a color. Um, was it Jack Black? Close. Close. The Learners? Lewis Black. Yes. Lewis Black. Mm. Wow. Matt that does win tight. this one, though. He does yeah. win. Yeah. Yeah. Very Congratulations. Very nice. Very nice. Good. Was, if, we, if it, we well played, not, guys. Well we, played. No, we were not worthy opponents. If it came no. down to a tie, we call this a jawbreaker. The, the question would have went over to Al, actually. Uh, would you rather be watching right now Red Sparrow with Jennifer Lawrence Ooh. or Red Sonia with uh, Bridget Nielsen? Oh, God. Probably... Red Sparrow was so terrible, <laughs> so terrible. I'll take anything over that. Yeah, I gotta go with. I yeah, gave that it a one. positive review. I kind of liked it. <laughs> oh, it was it's like a kinky it spy thriller. Junk. I enjoyed it. Oh, <laughs> I thought she was her accent. Oh, yeah, well, her it accent was bad. bad. It was bad. Age. The real jawbreaker was this. Age of Ryan Reynolds, closest to Matt. Do you have a guess? Uh, quickly, quickly. Okay, Ryan Reynolds. Uh, is he older than me or younger than me? I think he might be a little younger. I'll say 36. 36. Lock him in. Linda, do you got a guess? I'll say 39. Would have gave that one to Linda. 42 on Ryan Reynolds. Okay. 42. Yeah. 
Still, go. man, he's in great shape, right? Yeah, absolutely. Playing superheroes and stuff. Yeah. This has been a lot of fun, and and we still have the spoiler lounge coming up. Too I'm as well. really looking forward to that. Yeah. yeah, but we're ending the traditional cinema. The jaw. traditional cinema jaws ending now, and first oh. and foremost, we got to thank Al and Linda Lerner for coming on Movies and Shakers. It's about time. Well, thank, thank you for you. having us. Yes, it's we a, had a good time. A, a delight. I uh, disappointed in trivia, but well, you know, you get me next time, guys. We'll, we'll work on it. Yes, but do All stick right. around because we're going to record some uh, spoiler Spoilers. lounge. Yeah. Absolutely. You also got to thank our engineer. Oh yeah, thank you guys so much. Uh, always happy to help out, and I do have to show a th- uh, throw a shout out to Ry the Movie Guy. As soon as he said red character trivia. Uh, I have two PBRs in me and a little Japanese liver, and I'm really glad he didn't mention me in there. There you go. And we totally called that Stand By Me reference he was getting. Oh, yeah. Off the mic, uh, Stand By Me, and yeah, your point. Wow. I made a goofy voice behind your back. You're really really salty about this. Oh, man. Get over it. Get over it. Yep. I think that's why he didn't send it to a tiebreaker, because he saw our eye contact. He would (laughs) have known. Yeah, probably. We also got to thank the sponsors. Yes, thanks to Cards Against Humanity and the Chicago Podcast Co-op who help us get cool sponsors. Yes, if you'd like to support Cinema Jaw, please leave us a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Yeah, and hey, thanks to Corbin, the intern. He's doing more stuff lately. Absolutely. You'll probably hello. hear him as we go into our spoiler alert here. So until next week, I'm Ryan the Movie Guy. I'm Matt Kay. And, and keep, keep on John about the, the movies. movies. This is a warning. You have entered the Cinema Jaw Spoiler Lounge. Plot details, character deaths, twist endings, and everything in between will be discussed. Only continue forward if you have seen the movie in discussion, or do not care if something is spoiled for you. Again, this is a warning. Alright Matt, this is our first Cinema Jaw Spoiler Lounge, and we are doing Jordan Peele's us. I love the couches in this uh, spoiler lounge. It's really it's nice. Very comfortable leather couches. And, and what a great movie to do the initial one on. Yeah, Us. it's got some twists and turns, man. Uh, for yes. sure. So we reviewed this a couple episodes ago, so we're not going to go through the whole review. The main thing in here is when I reviewed it on Cinema Jaw is I kept talking about the subtext of the movie. And that being, in, in my opinion, and we'll throw this around the room, that you got the the fortunate and the, the less fortunate. And this idea of hands across America, which plays out uh, pretty heavily in the beginning, where the little girl in the, in the early scenes, which would later become Lapita, is watching this as a little girl take place, hands across America. And of course, later that summer, she goes down into the haunted house and gets taken, right? And gets switched as the doppelganger. And I, I, I thought to myself, what an interesting concept that imagine if you were watching that as a, a little girl at a time when America and society and politically, the, the climate was, let's get together and hold hands for a, a, a cause to help the less fortunate in the world. Right, which would become an, a very empty gesture in the long run. But at the time, I think people were optimistic about it. But it, but people were actually I was reading about it. Like cities were upset that the line wasn't going through. I mean, this was a huge deal. And what my point here actually, Matt, was that everybody wanted to be involved. There, there were people trying, like 
people were upset that the line didn't go up like the East Coast, mm -hmm. you know, so forth, because they wanted to do that. That would never happen nowadays. We seem so divided, and this idea, I think, that we'd have we a don't blue care. Line. We'd have a blue line and a red, red line. line. Right. We don't care about the that's less true. fortunate anymore. And I thought that's in my interpretation of, of what Jordan Peele was trying to say. That How do you guys all feel? Well, first of all, you blew right by the huge reveal in the movie. Oh, we'll get there also. Okay. All right. How do I feel about that subtext? Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're right. I think that's pretty much right on the head, that, that that's kind of what the movie's about. It's about uh, the disparity between the, the haves and the have-nots, right? The, the tethered literally live underground and are sort of like the, the lower class, the poor, if you will, while the, the, the others uh, get to live out in the sun and have great lives. So, I mean, that's clearly what he was saying. It's kind of easy uh, to pick that apart. Well, it is. The other, the other thing is that uh, holding hands... Being in contact with another person is inclusion. So everyone, everyone was part of it. You know, you break the chain, you break the chain, you break, you you break this this connection to other people, and that's that's a, the other subtext here is connection uh, to people, connection to your family, uh, connection to your community, and when you lose that connection, as the as the tethered did, they had no connection. To the to the other world, you lose the ability to speak. You lose the ability to have any power of your life. You lose the ability to to uh, have any uh, um, any direction in your life. And in we have to get direction back. Well, it's about equality. I mean, it's just really basically about equality. And you'd need a lot of uh, bacteria, antibacterial spray for that too. For a long now, you would mm -hmm. because people wouldn't want to touch each other. Maybe. Yeah, that's a good point. It's different day and age, man. Different. For sure. By now, the way, one one thing about that uh, historical footnote about the hands across America, it fell far short of what they were hoping of what Reagan and and the uh, the country was hoping for. They were hoping for like. 80 million or 100 million people to hold hands. It was 15 million people that, that held hands across America. Yeah. Disappointing. Yeah, the whole thing was a major disappointment. They didn't raise half the money they wanted to. Right. And then most of the money went to pay off all the, the production crew and staff, and yeah. it, was, it failed. But yep. the idea was there. Sure. Yeah, it's a great idea. That doesn't mean anything, though. But in, the, in this movie's context, it, it quite does, I, I'm saying. Yeah, oh, uh, yeah, uh, that's I mean, the true. idea is really what it's based on, I think, and, and his, his commentary on it was that at least there was that idea from a political standpoint to say, hey, let's get together for the unfortunate. If it worked or didn't, it's the idea. That would never be offered nowadays, it seems. We're so far removed from that. Correct. You know? And Alan and I were talking the other day. I mean, we've got a caste system coming. I mean, it's, that's what it basically is right now. People are they're different strata for, for so many different reasons. Yeah. yeah it's Economically, politically, socially. Mm -hmm. Do you guys think Jordan Peele is one of the best filmmakers working today as far as uh, making these statements that, that he has successfully with, with Get Out and now Us? It's tough. I would say it's tough to say because it's only two films, two great films. Don't get me wrong. Well, well it, I but... I think we, we saw him at uh, South by Southwest and uh, heard a, an informal talk that he w made it very clear. He says, I just want to start a conversation. That's what I want to do. That's what this whole film is about. And he's doing that. Mm -hmm. So I he's succeeding in his eyes. I, I think that he has made in these from film one to film two, from Get Out to, to Us, 
he has made unbelievable strides as a filmmaker, as as a I agree. Uh, as uh, just in directing uh, the, this cast to have have them playing opposite each other themselves, to have them kill themselves, to have them uh, uh, just making the continuity of this as a filmmaker. He's made unbelievable strides as a storyteller. I think he hasn't taken as uh, great a stride in this movie f- over Get Out. I agree with that, actually. Yes. And, and directing, in directing, too, he said that he got these people so crazy it made him proud. <coughs> well, maybe he needed to flex his directing muscle a little. Lupita was excellent in there, Oh, so yeah. Oh, totally. she was amazing. She they surprised him. She, he, he said that she really scared the shit out of him. <laughs> That's awesome. I believe it. Now, for the spoilers as far as what you were going to say, Matt, the big one you think is the idea that the little girl was switched. Clearly. Yeah. yeah, but I think watching it, I I kept thinking that. Were, were you guys under the impression that more than likely she was the doppelganger all along? Or, sure. Or well, I was when when uh, when Red showed up. When Red showed up, and Red talked uh, talked with this uh, such this forced uh, uh, voice, mm-hmm. where she's but, almost losing air, but almost losing air. But she was the only tethered who could talk. Mm-hmm. Well, where did that come from? Mm-hmm. So she hadn't used those those vocal cords for all of those years, and now she's above ground and she's she's using them. She's found those cords again. She was the only one who could talk. That was the giveaway for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I honestly, I, I I know you're right. Looking back on it, I probably should have seen that coming, but I didn't. The 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 twist caught me completely off guard. I think her voice is like that because she got strangled by the tethered, who who traded places with her. I thought it was a great twist. It, it makes you rethink, and it, it's almost like, listen, I'm, I'm comparing it to Sixth Sense. I'm not saying it's as good as Sixth Sense because it's not. Sixth Sense is way better as a twist movie, but it makes you want to go back immediately and try to see all the clues. Well, here's the question. Is the son, is the son mm-hmm. also a doppelganger right. Right. switch? That's because what I was he thinking. does not That's- speak. The mask. Right, and he, he, yeah, and there's that wonderful scene where the two boys are in the closet together, and the the son, who we think is the son, and, and not the he doppelganger. Talks. No, he never says a word in the not, film. Not after he comes, not after he comes back out of the. Uh, does he not? Does he not talk at all? I don't think so. Until or if he, no, does, he does, it's, it's, he does. it's minimal. He, it's minimal. He doesn't though. talk. He doesn't talk a lot. He hides behind the mask, but. After he comes out of the locker at the end, does he utter another word after that? I don't think so. But the, but he's clearly not the doppelganger because the doppelganger is horribly it's scarred. Hard. Yeah. So Unless they were yeah. switched beforehand. Yeah, but I, that doesn't make sense because he I'd speaks. have to see it again. I thought that possibly no. there was a, Although, no, a chance. It's not that. that the tethered can't speak, right? Because uh, Lapita's character, what's her name? Adeline? Yes. Or Adelaide? I can't remember. Something. Adelaide. Adelaide. She speaks. And she is a tethered, right? She but we don't know how long that took because obviously after they switched it, a little girl, there's that scene where the mother is saying, I just want my daughter back. You right, know, when, to be she's able to talk. The, when she's at the psychiatrist. Right. She's the obviously had some kind of therapy. Correct. Right. But then she goes on to have a normal human life. So it's not as if it, though they can't speak. They just have never been taught and have no reason to speak. There's a bit, I mean, when you start thinking about it too much, it's you yeah. know it's all a little it falls there apart. There are some yeah there yeah. are some things and there and there are a lot of issues in there. It's not just one issue. There are so many issues that you really you have to change thinking. For, you know you it's kind of like whiplash. Yeah, I agree. Anything else on us? 
No, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see that he's exploring other topics, different topics, and not just sticking to one. Uh, I, I can't wait to see what Jordan Peele does next. He's, he's established himself as a voice for me. I but. also think that Zora, the young girl, was the unlikely hero. She was oh, yeah. the one who really came out ahead, and he made her important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's got that, that uh, golf club. Yep, she's got it. She's got it. She's a, good. She's got, she's got a, a great stroke. With she that, does. With, you know, <laughs> nice follow through. Really, I like the form of that. I, I think she could be on the tour. I loved that everybody, and this is something that our friend Jeff York picked up on in his um, <clears throat> sketch that he did for this film. Everybody got their own little signature weapon. You yeah. know, the 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 bat for the for the dad, the fire uh, poker for the mom. Right. The, the Golf club for Zora, and the little boy had that weapon <laughs> the, of choice. That, yeah, what oh, was that? A, like a geode or something? Yeah, it was right. like a rock, yeah. right, on a, on a stand. Yep, <laughs> that the, was uh, so cool. The the other nice uh, uh, twist in this is that Dad, you would expect Dad, who turned you know started out as the goofy, the goofy kind of kind of comedic relief, f- yeah. comedic relief Dad, that he would have been. The first one to get killed. I so thought he was mm-hmm. that he would be, that he would be the you know the fodder the cannon fodder and and then that Lupita would be left maybe she would be I was expecting her maybe to be the only one left especially after the twin girls got oh they you got know, the other family mm-hmm. the other family got killed off so quickly but uh, that was a to me that was a twist that they all survived mm-hmm. or. Whoever they were, whoever they are, survived. <laughs> One more quick thing. Sure. That, that scene, I, I forget the actress's name from from um, from um, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Moss. Elizabeth Moss. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mad Men. That's what I was trying to think. Right. Of. Um, her scene where she's the doppelganger and she puts on the lip gloss in the it's mirror. So good. Holy Ooh. crap! That was an amazing scene. She's just smiling that psychopathic so smile. So good. The, se- the scene that got me was w- when uh, Lupita is <coughs> against the glass table, oh, yeah. and you have the reflection mm. of her in the glass as it's breaking. It was just amazing. Can't say enough good things about us. Best movie of the year so far that we've seen? I'd say so. For me. For me also. One of them. Yeah, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty close. Awesome. Yeah. All right, this is our first spoiler lounge. Uh, let us know what you think of this, Jawheads. Uh, we'll be doing it more often. Yeah, semi-regularly. So until next week, I'm Ryan the Movie Guy. I'm Matt Kay, and, and keep, keep on, on John about, about the, the movies. movies. For real this time.